Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist, and I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now, before I launch in today's episode, I just want to mention the Eating Disorder Therapist Book Club. So this is a new book club I've recently launched and it includes four extra podcast episodes a month, a Facebook group to gain support and encouragement from others. And this month we're reading Amy Harmon's Perfectly Imperfect, Compassionate Strategies to Cultivate a Positive Body Image. So if you're interested, you can sign up still in the show notes. And if you want to dip your toe in the water first, you can also hear the first episode for free on the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. So that is the episode before last. So if you just kind of scroll back on the feed for the podcast, you will find it. So chance just to see if it's for you. But yeah, we'd love to see more of you there across at the book club. And you don't even have to buy the book or listen to the book because the podcast will give you lots of great content and thoughts and reflections. So if you don't even want to buy the book, you can just sign up to listen to the extra podcasts. And I promise you, it will improve your body image and definitely improve your relationship with food. Okay. So today on the podcast, um, it's me. My guest, unfortunately, was not able to make it. So I'm going to be talking all about the art of loving yourself and based around an essay by Laura Jane Williams. So hold on tight. We'll be diving in. So something a bit different today. And this is an article I'm going to focus on called The Art of Loving Yourself by the author Laura Jane Williams. And this is taken from a little book which I love, which is called Life Lessons from Remarkable Women, Tales of Triumph, Failure and Learning to Love Yourself. And it's produced by Stylist Magazine, put together as a little book. And it says Remarkable Women, but if you're a man that's listening, so many of these life lessons are equally vital for you too. So please don't switch off. It's for you too. So what I'm going to do is read through some of this article and then I'm also going to pause and reflect on some of the things that have really helped me in my journey to kind of boosting self-esteem really finally actually loving myself and I'm saying this to you as someone who not so many years ago really had self-esteem self-worth that was on the floor and didn't even really understand the concept of loving oneself at all but I feel very different from that now. So I'm very hopeful, even if you're not feeling very positive and upbeat with your self-worth today, that it's possible to change. Okay, so I'm going to launch in. So Laura Jane says, Babe, listen, if I've learned one thing in my life, it's that nobody's job is to give you permission. Permission to like yourself. Permission to want what you want and how you want it. Permission to be who you are. It's nobody's job to put you at ease or hold your hand or tell you over and over again, because you never believe it the first time, just how wonderful you are. Does that disappoint you? Does that make you feel afraid? Good, because feeling afraid and living boldly 
anyway on the terms you decide for yourself. That's how you'll learn what it is to be magic. And you, darling, are a supernatural force. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, for years, I was always looking for permission for somebody to tell me, Harriet, you can do this. You can do this job. You can follow this path. You can be in this relationship. You can make this choice. I was always looking for someone outside of myself to validate me, to make me feel that I was making the right decision, to make it okay. And that's a really dangerous place to be in, isn't it? Because really nobody else can really do that for us. Everybody else, even the people that love us, you know, madly and with so much warmth and affection and encouragement, no one else is really inside our heads and no one else really knows what's best for us. You know, they can advise with the best of intentions, but ultimately we kind of have to give ourselves permission to walk our own path. And that's a bit scary, isn't it? But bear with me with this because of it's such an important step in terms of beginning to build self-worth. So Laura Jane says, Does it disappoint you? Does it make you feel afraid? It certainly made me feel afraid. Without self-love, we are neurotic and self-centered and insecure. We think we'll be worthy once other people tell us we loved. But it is you and only you who sets the tone for your life. To be loved, we must be loving. And that love begins with ourselves. But if we practice self-love, everything changes. We find contentment in our work, satisfaction in our relationships, kindness for who we are and how we look and what we say. Self-love affects every aspect of our days and it isn't a privilege, it's a right. And so here are my 16 tips for loving yourself in work, friendship and romance. I haven't mastered all of them, so I certainly won't tell you to be perfect at this either. But I dip into these ideas when I can. And with self-love, every little helps. It all adds up. Self-love is cumulative. And I absolutely stand by that. You know, the little baby steps, they add up. They add up bit by bit. So, Laura Jane's step number one. Self-love doesn't always have to be loving. Mostly, it simply has to be accepting. Self-love is an active practice, like choir rehearsal or religion. You have to keep showing up. Self-love is a verb. It is done in the doing. Your work won't ever be done. You're not a project to be finished. There is no final level, and you can't win at liking yourself. You can only keep on with keeping on and lean into the journey of it. There is no perfect score. Thank goodness. Number two, know that you are worthy of your time and energy. Anyone who was given a doll as a toddler learned at the youngest, most impressionable age to take care of something or someone else. And yes, it's lovely to take care of people, but we can't nourish ourselves unless our own cup is full. When the plane crash lands, 
We have to fit our own oxygen mask before helping anyone else. We can't help others if we're dead. We can't champion anyone unless we're fulfilled by our own words of love and kindness and care. So self-love is the most radical act of kindness for others that there is. We look after each other better once we're looking after ourselves. So just to pause a moment there, that has been a hard lesson for me because of, I think I grew up very much in a family where my mum, incredibly kind, giving, altruistic person, but would never really look after her own needs. You know, just so kind and so focused outwards. And her cup was always just really, really empty. And it left her exhausted, resentful. And, you know, I definitely had sort of followed in her footsteps there. And it's something I have to work on to this day to make sure that I'm really filling my own cup up, that I'm allowing enough rest, enough relaxation, taking time for myself before I pour all my resources everywhere else. Number three, so people love you when you love yourself. And by love, what I really mean is respect. People respect you and give you what you need and appreciate you when you do all of those things for yourself first. So your boss might need you to work late, but you must still eat a meal and take a walk in the fresh air. And your lover might be desperate to see you, but if you need a secret cinema trip for one, that's okay. And your friend might be FaceTiming, but just because you hear the phone ring, it doesn't mean you have to answer it. Your own needs can come first. And that moves on to boundaries. Boundaries as well, so important. And I think something I struggled so much with in the past, I think as well, if you don't have boundaries, it's almost like you have a house without a fence up around your garden. So there's no fence. People don't know where the line is and they will unwittingly just trample all over the garden. Boundaries are so important. And Laura Jane says, Deciding what works for you and what doesn't, and then saying it out loud. That's what boundaries is all about. Did you know that you don't have to keep your heart or mind wide open for anyone in muddy boots to trample on, all in the name of being giving, loving, and likable? Goodness me, this is one that I've had to work on very, very hard. I think as brought up, and my kind of natural temperament is to be very kind of pleasing and wanting to keep harmony. And before, sometimes I would just tolerate things that were completely unacceptable because I would feel so guilty for not pleasing others by not setting boundaries. And this caused me so much stress. So boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Laura Jane says, having love for yourself means learning to tell folks, hey, that doesn't work for me. And you don't even have to justify why. Not feeling good for you is reason enough to say where your line is. End of. You could say, I can't travel 45 minutes on the central line to meet you for a drink. That's too far. I don't want to go to Bangalore for a holiday. My foundation costs £45, so no, you can't borrow it. It's hard to set the rules, but others will know how to love you if you teach them how you love yourself. 
And that's because number five, you are the expert on you. So don't let other people tell you who you are. Don't let Dave at work make out like you're the sensitive one. Just because you let him know his misogynist joke was rubbish. About to swear them, but I won't. <laughs> or your father continue the faulty narrative that you're the selfish one of his kids because you work 75 hours a week and so you don't visit weekly like your sister. You're not socially awkward because your boss said so after that work party. You get to say who you are. You get to decide that you're empowered or daring or funny or brave or witty or sexual. Nobody knows you better than you know yourself. Trust that. Trust yourself. It's the most radical act of self-love there is to be exactly who you are and proudly. I think again, this is something I used to struggle with so much because of I was so aware growing up of the expectations that others had of me and how they saw me. And initially the pressure came from outside, but then I put the pressure on myself to live up to those expectations. And it meant kind of twisting myself to be what I thought others wanted to, me to be. And it made me really, really unhappy. Number six, figure out who you are by figuring out who you're not. You can't be born again until you die. So admit it when it sucks. Give up, change your mind, try something else. It will free you when you decide to no longer be tied to an idea of yourself, but rather who you really are. I think this can be so true with eating disorder recovery because an eating disorder can become so much part of our identity. And then we can feel really reluctant to let go of it, even though it's no longer serving us. So nothing is forever. You know, we can change. And often the thought of change, you know, as human beings, we don't like change, but the thought of change is often way worse than the actual change itself. And I think with some of this, it's trying to just do little baby steps sometimes to do something differently before you do have to do a big overhaul of your life. Even if you ever want to do a big overhaul, the baby steps all add up. Number seven, education, education, education. Nobody ever taught me how I'd earn and save money to afford a deposit on my own house. Nobody taught me how to live in a house share or negotiate for a raise of nipple hair was normal. I've had to figure it out all my all by myself because I'll be damned if I'll let anybody take advantage of me because of my own ignorance. If self-respect starts anywhere, it's there asking questions and getting the answers. Don't rely on anybody else to teach you. Seek out knowledge yourself. And I want to say with this, I think many, many people understandably are very fearful of becoming adults and taking on the responsibilities of adult life. I know I certainly was, but it's okay. It's okay not to know. You know, you can ask for help. You can read up on things. You can make mistakes. It's all part of learning. Number eight, be detached. You are not who you hang out with or who you date. And most of all, you are not what you do. You are so much more than all of that. And I'm just going to add in here as well. You're not your eating disorder. <laughs> they are parts of a whole, not the defining factor. Self-love is about who you are when nobody is looking. Do you remember birthdays and only say things you mean and act mindfully? 
you let yourself believe that you're allowed to want what you want? Can you find joy? Put your value in that, not in what your business card says. Number nine, have goals that matter to you. If your goals aren't cinched with your heart, they won't mean anything. And if you have every excuse under the sun for why you can't fulfill your heart's desire, then baby, you just don't want it bad enough. And that's okay because you don't have to be a big old dream because number 10, you don't have to change the world to be in charge of yours. Some people are karma yogis. They figure out more about themselves through work. And so work becomes their driving force. And it's kind of fashionable to be a karma yogi or a hashtag girl boss, if you prefer. But that doesn't have to be you. You don't have to be a go-getting career girl with high heels and even higher aspirations to be important. You're allowed to simply collect a paycheck and then go home to knit or cook or train for a race, or get really good at gardening. You can be a beater and still be in charge of your life, and you can lean back and still be the boss of you. Now, I know myself that I am a bit of a karma yogi. I don't know if that's how you say it. Um, I'm very driven and very passionate about my work, but it isn't the only way. You know, you might be listening to this and just think, actually, I'm just not passionate or driven by work in that way you know other things light me up and that's completely fine you know sometimes I wish I could be a bit less intense about my work I wish I could devote more time to some of my hobbies or kind of playful things or baking or gardening but I don't so there's no right or wrong here the key is finding what works personally for you Number 11, don't make life more difficult than it is. The biggest lie we tell each other is it's a struggle and it's probably worth it. But hard work means a better payoff. Now, this isn't true. You know, what if we believe life wanted us to be happy? Because she does. Life wants us to have all that our heart has dreamed of and more. So if you're pushing for something and it isn't making you content, ask yourself, Am I doing this because I must or because I want to? I think this is such an important one. I know that in my bones, I have a sort of feeling sometimes that, you know, you have to work really, really hard, that life is a bit of a struggle. And I think it's because of some of my primary role models and really believe that and still believe that. And it almost feels wrong if life is too easy or that things come easily and effortlessly but isn't that crazy you know why should life be like that shouldn't life be more playful and joyful and fun and can't we you know really enjoy the ride so I'm definitely trying to embrace that much more number 12 say no say no that so that your yes means something really important. I used to say yes to everything and then feel resentful. Whereas now I'm much better at saying no. So when I say yes, I really mean yes. Number 13, the hardest lessons to learn are the ones your soul needs most. Yes, life is easy and wants you to be happy, but they call them growing pains for a reason. And that reason is that 
self-discovery can hurt. Poking around inside ourselves is dirty, brave work, and that's why not everybody does it. If something inside stings when you shine a light on it, it might be a sign that there's room for development there. You're a warrior for pushing forward to see how you might remedy that stinging. Good for you, daring woman or man. Good for you for not being so afraid of yourself that you'd rather not try at all. And I think just to say with this is we all have our shadow side. We all have our vulnerabilities and things we struggle with. We all have things in our past that maybe we feel ashamed of that do sting a bit. And that's okay. That's part of being human. And actually, we can learn from these experiences. And also, we can offer ourselves forgiveness. Number 14, rest is good. You know how there's a corpse pose at the end of yoga that all the work you've done can integrate itself with the rest of your spiritual and physical self. Sometimes we just need to savasana, is that how you say it? With a weekend in bed or a treat or a walk or an afternoon with a book or five minutes with a cup of tea, stopping still doesn't mean we're not making progress. Stopping still means progress can catch up with us. Yes, I am with that 100%. Number 15, forgive yourself. You're not perfect. But then again, the interesting ones never are. And number 16, the final one, self-help author Gretchen Rubin says, self-love is represented in the act of striving to make ourselves happier every day. So what do you want in this exact moment in order to lean into happiness and wholeness and contentedness just a little bit more? Start there with a baby step and take baby steps every day and soon you'll scale mountains. Just begin. Love yourself and feel that love grow. There is no doubt it will. I promise. Oh, so I hope you've enjoyed that. Um, I just love the article. And, you know, if you do want to read it for yourself, if you get hold of the book, Life Lessons from Remarkable Women, Tales of Triumph, Failure and Learning to Love Yourself by Stylist. And this particular essay is by Laura Jane Williams and it is life lesson number three of the book. So I hope you enjoyed this episode today. And if you're not following me already, do seek me on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to theeatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. And you'll find details there about my online courses and one-to-one work, breakthrough days and training days. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm -hmm.